ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM, and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. Joining me this evening, we have the one, the only, Earl Nieto. Earl, fall finally appears to be upon us. The weather has turned this week. We got some rain. Football season is back. Uh, Brett Favre, uh, not Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers is done, potentially for his career. Uh, so, 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 hold on. Before before we go any further, I have a burning question to ask you. Okay. How does it feel to be the bottom dweller of the of the fantasy league? You know what? Uh, it was a weird fantasy week. It really was. A lot of guys shat the bed. Joe Burrow shat the bed. Um, but, you know, week one. That's all it is. Week one, at least I didn't draft Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you could have been shit out of luck there because he's, <laughs> the uh, he's one of the undroppables too. So, Oh, is he? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's uh, – yeah, it was a weird – football week i mean the cowboys played like they actually gave a shit uh aaron Rodgers snaps his achilles four plays into the game potentially a career ending injury for him um yeah falcons won the giants or the cowboys won the Den- no denver lost denver lost uh the jets still somehow managed to lose managed to win yeah i'm actually pissed about that so- josh allen he shot that bad too so I actually had a bet I placed at a casino, which believe it or not, I do I do bet once in a while. Um, so I had a bet going where that one actually paid out. And I, when I cashed in today, it was I bet on the 49ers, the Cowboys, which I know those two are the favorites, and I bet on the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Rams being the underdog, that was a good payout. So I won 167 bucks. Cool. Well then my father-in-law came up with uh, – he came home one day with the – it was like pickums for the week. And so me and Marlena sat around and we picked our teams together and who we wanted to win. And last night it came down to me and another person. I picked the Buffalo Bills. The other person picked the Jets. The payout was we all know what happened because the fucking Jets decided to run one back in overtime. The yeah. first time they touched the ball, they run it back and win the fucking game. Yeah, it was a it was a strange week one. It really was. Um, it's really hard to quantify the NFL this weekend. Uh, but yeah, I mean, week one is there. What are you doing? Um, Week one's done. We're now on week three of the college football. Week four, I guess, technically, of the college football season. Um, that That's underway this week. Uh, Major League Baseball is coming down to the end of the season, and the Braves just took two of three from the Philadelphia Phillies. So, David, we see Carl, if you're listening, watching, chop on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time of the year. And I don't know about you, Earl, but I have absolutely been enjoying this weather for the past two days. This is fantastic. I'm so glad it's not 90 degrees anymore. Um, what I am not pleased about is a performance of New Mexico United on Saturday night against Birmingham Legion. Earl, you and I both had, us, both had New Mexico United losing this match on Saturday to Birmingham. 
We knew it was going to be tough on paper. We knew Armando Moreno was going to be not going to be gone. We knew Schneider Borgeson was going to be gone, and that left it all up to basically Greg Hurst and Sergio Rivas uh, to, to to lead the show on Saturday, and they couldn't get it done. I mean, we gave up a lot of shots, a lot of shots. Now, granted, most of them were not on frame, and Andrew Thomas again had a pretty good night. You know, you can't, it's, it's, it's just tough. It's tough to see yet another loss in a situation where we could have potentially pulled out a win had we played, you know, slightly better, but you, you look back at that, at the stat sheet and United just didn't do anything at all to have any sort of impact on this match. And I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know what more to say about Star United. Yeah, me either, except didn't Schneider play? No, he was gone on international D. I don't know. Yep, he the uh, Greg Hurst, Josh Suggs got the uh well Suggs yeah. Suggs was his midfielder, but uh Hurst oh, was yeah. starting forward for us on Saturday. I was uh, looking at the wrong uh the wrong recap. Yeah. I don't know what you were looking at. We played Birmingham. Yeah, we did. I was looking at Charleston. <laughs> yeah, wrong match there, Earl. Yeah. There we are. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is probably horrible to say, but at what point do we start counting our counting our blessings on the season and calling it in? The, the thing is, which yeah, I, I know we still mathematically we're not eliminated. Yeah. Which yeah, mathematically we still have a really really good shot. No, we don't. A shot. We have a shot. <laughs> we have a shot. Um, but that's all we have. If we continue to play the way we do, that shot is going to turn into nothing. Mm-hmm. In a hurry. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what fire we need to light. I don't know what needs to be done. But Jesus fucking Christ, for the love of God. Um, okay, so the I normally I go to 538 and look at their predictions, but their their playoff predictions have not been updated since June, which is strange. Um, I know heading into last week, our odds of making the playoffs, uh, according to uslchampionship.com, was about 21 percent were our odds of making the playoffs, and at this point, even if we do, our attack is so anemic at times that I don't see us making it past the first round. And so you, you talk about, you know, is it time to, to cash in the season? Is it time to move on? At what point do we start looking forward? I mean, you can go ahead and start looking forward to next year. I, 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 it would take one hell of a run through the back end of this schedule and through the playoffs to 
to really feel good about this season. Honestly, if we make the playoffs, I don't know that I feel good about it. Like, yes, to make the playoffs, great, good. You know, we, I mean, we, we put together some results towards the end of the year and fought back for that. But we've struggled all year long to put together any sort of consistent form. And we had basically one stretch of matches where we played really well and that's it. And that's not good enough. I mean, you, you can't, you can't have stretches of matches where you're not getting results. You can't have stretches. You can't have poor home stands. You can, when you have four games in a row at home, you can't pick up four points. You know, I don't care who comes in. You have to do better than what you did. And Yes, we've had issues this year. Yes, we changed coaches. You know, we've had a number of injuries. We've got guys going on international duty, which is great. You know, great honor for them. You know, Amando absolutely deserves it. Whether or not Borgelin deserves it, you can make the argument that he doesn't based off of the lack of the, the lack of input he's had since joining the club. But based off his prior performance, I, I, I enter Miami. Uh, well, no, hold Miami, on, hold on, hold on. Say, Schneider Board again did have some input at with Charleston. Okay. He did get a yellow card. He did get a yellow card. So he had some kind of input in the game. <laughs> he 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 did. He did in fact pick up a yellow in that game. Um and I mean, you know, Bees was on one one seven. He's still not back. You know, he talked about the recovery process. Bees is not back. Nava's been out. You know, I, clearly we know Nava will not be back this year. We're not counting on that. I don't. I certainly don't expect Eric Quill to throw Nava in here the last month or so, the last really month of the season. I think and at that this would be point, a really I bad expect, move. I don't expect Eric Quill to throw bees in either. Because I mean, bees like himself to where he's not a hundred percent, and he comes in and gets re-injured. I mean, I well, honestly with, at this stretch of the season, I don't see. Eric Quill putting bees in. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing about that is, it, it's not like it's an injury that bees is going to react with. It's not like a hamstring injury. It's not like a muscle, a muscle issue where he can re-aggravate that. You know, the odds of him re-breaking his kneecap are slim to none. But for a veteran guy like bees who can be creative, I think you, I think you have to play him at least in a platoon role. You know, bring him on for 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes a match for the for the last you know, six matches of the season. Give him an opportunity to to generate something to try to drive the play forward. Because we just you know, yeah, Nikki's been Nikki's been good. I liked Zico Bailey in the midfield on Saturday. I think he did a pretty good job there. Um it was definitely different seeing him in that role compared to playing uh, playing the right back. But I think I think Zico did fine. I don't have an issue with that, but, you know, Quill's, you know, he was trying to get some sort of productivity out of the midfield, some sort of creativity. And that's something Zico can do. That's something that he did on Saturday. You could see him trying to find different things to do. I mean, Santi has not necessarily been creative. Sergio, I thought would have a bigger role on Saturday. And it took a long time for Sergio to get involved in that match on Saturday. So without having Nava, without having another playmaker in the midfield, I think you have to put these, again, platoon roll, 20, 30 minutes, 
give him an opportunity to create some because he can score. We, he's a, we know Beast can score. We know he can create chances. Um, so I think you have to give him the opportunity here in the final six matches. Like, you've got to throw everything at the wall because at this point, I think we still need well, 18 possible points. I think we still need minimum 11 points. To, to have a chance because I mean we're we're four off the mark right now we're four points off the playoffs right now and I think we need minimum 11 to get to 47 to be in but I mean and we've been very very fortunate that the results around us have been almost favorable I mean Monterey has been on here the past couple of matches but you look at Oakland Roots Oakland's lost three in a row Colorado's winless in three uh san diego and rising uh uh san diego lost phoenix drew el paso is winless in four or five you know i mean we're winless in four or five as well but we're still in the hunt i just think our chances are slipping away every single match yeah the longer we go not winning the worse our odds look the worse the picture looks i mean the longer we go not winning, the more likely we are of eliminating ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it is if somehow El Paso or Phoenix or someone above us, right above us, clinches before we do, I don't think we see our starters. I think we count our blessings and start working on what we have young-wise. I think we start looking at some academy kids and getting them some minutes, some valuable minutes um, to get them more experience. I don't think we, and I hate to say it, I really do. I don't, I don't mean it in a bad way. Um, I think we packed the season away. If, if someone above us, so if we don't pick up, so we play, what, Saturday again? We play Friday this week. Friday, Wednesday. Friday, I thought it was Friday. Friday, Wednesday, Saturday. So that's nine possible points. If we don't get five points out of that, I think we're done. So you you want five? You you think we need five points out of Indy, Sacramento, and Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay. I think we can pull a win out of Indy. I'm I, I'm almost sure we can. Um, we've already played Sac and we beat them three nil. Mm-hmm. And then Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. You never know about them, but I think we can. I think we can squeeze a draw out of them. And if I'm if I'm wrong, it's gonna be a draw with Indy and beating Sac again, or it's gonna be beating Indy and drawing Sac. Well, the thing with Indy is, you know, Mark Lowry is the head coach. We know, you know, we yeah. know Mark Lowry. And now, granted, you know, we don't have Troy or, you know, or Zach at the helm. But, you know, we, we know how Mark Lowry teams like to play. We know what they want to do, as, at least us in the media do. We know what Mark, you know, we know his system. We know how he, what he expects of his players. Now, yeah. I look at this stretch of games, you know, Pittsburgh is obviously there. They've already clinched their spot in the playoffs. They're fighting for home field advantage. Um, Indy has not 
Uh, Indy has has not clinched a spot, and they're fighting there on 41 points. So they're not safe in in theirs either. Um, But, yeah, it's it's six matches. This this is – it's tough. It really is, and we've got no – and nobody left is out of the playoff picture. So I just don't know. I mean, I think five points is ambitious. Is it possible? Yeah. But I think you're more likely to get the win against Indy and draws against SAC and Pittsburgh than you are getting a win against SAC, especially with how they've been playing. Um, but yeah, it's just... Uh, we we just really put ourselves behind the eight ball here. I think if we lose, I think if we lose any of these three, depending on the other results, we may be done after this weekend for all intents and purposes. Uh, El Paso has Vegas this weekend, so I mean that could go either way. Vegas is one. Vegas uh, just beat. Oakland on uh, this past weekend. Um, Orange County has Colorado. So, I mean, that's, you know, that could go either way there. And then, you know, Oakland, the other team that's really within striking distance right now, they have Tulsa. And, you know, Tulsa is fighting for their playoff life. Uh, But, yeah, I just, it's, again, we talked about, you know, I think it was last week before, we talked about missed opportunities. That's what this season is, a series of missed opportunities for New Mexico United. And, you know, you, you look at all the, I mean, honestly, Birmingham was a missed opportunity. It really was. You know, they, I mean, we, we talked about Nico and Preston coming into it. I had both of those guys mentioned in my preview on 1017 saying, hey, you need to watch out for these two guys. And sure enough, Nico and Preston did Nico and Preston things, and Nico scored the goal. And, yeah, the, the, the Nico broadcast. and Preston did what Nico and Preston should have did last season here, mm-hmm. but didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw Preston come on there in the second half, and he absolutely changed the changed the outcome of that match. He really did, and you see him drive the box there before the goal, and you see the entire you see the defensive line all shift. Even Seymour shifted back more past. I say closer to the near post than he really should have been, allowing Nico to get in that area unmarked. And Will didn't step to it fast enough. And now, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it again. Will is not the answer. As much as a great player he is, central defensive mid, he's not good on that back line. I, I think he I think again, I think he does better in this in, as a center back. Than the outside back, but yeah, that yeah, was just, and that was a miss. That that was absolutely a miss, and you can't you can't really put that on the central midfielders. That's just, I mean, will will slid too far. He didn't step to Nico. I mean, and honestly, it was a great pass by Preston too. You, you can't fault Preston. That was a great pass. Um, and Nico did what he needed to do. Tenth uh, goal of the season, I believe that was for, for Nico Brett and. You know, the, the announcer said, oh, he's not celebrating. Why? Well, there's a slight celebration there, you know. But it, it is what it is. I mean, Nico, I don't think he got a fair shake here. Injury issues, and I think it was a bad situation for Nico. 
didn't get the service he needed, didn't get the support that he needed. Then obviously, you know, Preston and Kavan and all that, it, it was a mess. It ended up being a real Well, mess. I mean, if you look back to last year, I know we don't like to look back at last year, we had 52 different strikers. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the striker room, the forward room itself was stupid crowded with too many egos. And I'm starting to think that's where we're at right now is everyone's trying to play hero instead of just trying to play ball. And that's I mean, why there's it, so many missed chances is everyone's stressing to score a goal instead of focusing on scoring the goal. They're thinking we have to score a goal. We have to, we have to, we have to. When if they just enjoy playing soccer and use their talent that they all have. I mean, we have a talented squad. Mm-hmm. If you use your talent instead of your your ass, something's going to come of it. You have to be patient. You can't shoot 52 goal. What was the shot total? 17, I think there was. They had 20. We had eight. Right. So you let them score a bunch of goals because you like to play backwards where they pressure you. You make a dumb pass because that's what we're notorious of doing. Yeah, we, we had a couple seasons, that were not good. For the past four seasons, we've had one player, at least one player, who makes a boneheaded move and, and t- commits a stupid turnover. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, at this point, it's, it's on my bingo card at this point. Like, if I see that on my bingo card, I know I'm winning. I know I'm good because that's mm-hmm. going to get dabbed off. For the past four seasons, it's been there. Um, so we we like to play, and the, the club's going to say that we don't. We love to play conservatively to where we love to have possession of the ball. Unfortunately, that possession of the ball always winds up in our back line, with our back line, who gets overwhelmed, especially when you have Nico Brett, Prosper Kasim, and then you have Tabor, uh, Tabor Preston Nataka, whatever, Preston Tabor Nataka. You have him come on. I mean, you have so much speed on your opposing team. Why are you going to hold on to the ball? It makes Mm -hmm. no sense to me. Zero sense to me when you have a faster player running, excuse me, running at a slower player, and you're expecting that slower player to make magic. I'm sorry, but this is not the this is not the place for it. It's not. If you're looking to score goals then you need to have the ball where the goals are going to be scored. Spread it out in the midfield, in the attacking portion of the field. Mm-hmm. Instead of hanging out with goalkeeper, where we've... And don't get me wrong, Andrew Thomas is really good. He's a really good backup that came in, stepped in when we needed him. But when you have Nico Brett and Preston coming at you, I mean... There's no room. There's nothing to do except for panic. And then once you score, once they score their goal, now we start shitting our pants because now we have to get a goal 
and we don't play with our heads. We play with our freaking ass, and then we just we suck. That's where it is. We suck when we play panic. So, I, okay. So, I will disagree on the playing conservative part. I think the issue. It's not that we play conservatively. It's that we don't. We have large stretches of time where we're not aggressive enough. It's not a matter it's of playing conservatively. It's just we don't like scoring of... goals. That's what it really is. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I hope that's not the case, but um, I, I just think we lack uh, lack enough aggression. You know, I think we lack enough urgency at times. I don't think it's conservative, but. You know, and I was having this discussion the other day with someone. It's you know, you 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 go and you watch youth soccer, and you hear the youth the youth players talking about you dropping the ball. You know, you know you'll hear you'll drop, drop, drop. You know when they get pressured, you know to to re not necessarily reset it, but to find an outlet when you can't go forward with the ball. And people complain about that with United all the time. And you're someone that's complained about it, about us dropping the ball and you know, you know, running backward passes. And it does is it a great look to do it as much as some clubs do? No, but sometimes it's necessary to even buy yourself, you know, a, a few seconds of time to try to reset, get a little extra movement going. And... So no, so I get it because I talked to Lucian last season about this. Mm-hmm. And he explained to me the concept of dropping the ball. I get that part. But when you are at the opposing goalkeeper's box, and then all of a sudden Kalen Wrighton has the ball, something's wrong there. When you have stars like Amando Moreno, Santi Moar, um... Sergio Rivas, I mean, you have striking ability, goal-scoring ability. Mm-hmm. Shit, you could fucking put Brucey in that mix. He has four fucking goals. I mean, yeah. when you have striking abilities, why – and it, I don't understand. Why do you feel the need to pass the ball to your defending players from your attacking position? Well, again, it's do you have that? Do you have the option going forward? And if you don't, then you have to you have to move the ball another way. You can't just sit there on the ball. It's not like it's not like the NBA where you can just sit there on the you know holding the ball, waiting and waiting, waiting, because you have to generate openings. You have to generate movement not only for your own team but from the other team as well. If you're not forcing the defense to move. It makes it that much harder on yourself now. And I love Brucey. I think Brucey's fantastic guy. I think he did fantastic after Cool came in. And you saw when he came in on Saturday, he went and started. You know, he played up top. But the thing is, Brucey is five seven. He's five seven, if that. And he's not the guy. He's not the ideal target that you want up top for crosses and the things that we like to do to put the ball into the danger area. You know, I mean, yeah, he'll win one every now and then. And there's no slide on Brucey, but he that, that's not your ideal striker. And you know, you could see you've seen Zico Bailey over the past several weeks looking for ways to get the ball forward, get the ball into the box. He's done a pretty good job of it. Justin Portillo typically does a pretty good job of it, but for whatever reason, his crosses have been absolute shit for the past several weeks. Completely mishitting the ball, missing the targets. 
uh, you know, putting the wall completely over everybody. Uh, you know, Sergio Rivas is not, you know, he's at times been really, really great. He wasn't, he was not involved anywhere near enough on Saturday. So you talk about why aren't we, when, we're, when we have the ball, when we're going forward, we get to that final third, but we're not putting that, that, that extra ball into the box. Like it's number one, do we have the option to go forward? Do we have the bodies there? Do we have an open opportunity to do it? Do we have enough spacing from the wings or from the midfield or wherever to put that ball forward? And if you don't, if you don't have that movement, if you don't have the, 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 the attention grab, like we, like we saw Schneider do a couple of weeks ago against Tulsa, you know, pulling defenders away, you don't leave yourself very, very many options. So you have to drop the ball to generate that extra movement. And I know it's frustrating for fans. I know it's frustrating for people, but you know, you can't, that's just the way it is. And again, our service to the box has not been great this year. I know, and so chance generation has not been great, and that's something that has to turn around. So yeah, I get it that you have to reset and drop the ball, whatever you want to call it. It's resetting. It's in United terms. If you watch United match, you're resetting because you're Mm -hmm. killing all your momentum. Because as soon as that ball goes, because it's not where it goes to midfield. No, it goes all the way to the keeper. Mm -hmm. Like you're not resetting or dropping the ball. And there's turn there's there's dropping the ball. I get that, but then there's what United does, and not they drop the ball all the way to the keeper. Dropping the ball, you take your steps into dropping the ball. You look for your midfielders. If there's nothing there, okay, cool. You look for your outlets. If there's nothing there, then you go to your to your defensive players. You don't instantly think, oh shit, I'm out of space here. Where the fuck's Kalen? I'm going to get him the ball. Or at this point, where the fuck is uh, Andrew Thomas? Because he needs to touch the ball. He hasn't touched it in two and a half minutes. He needs it. No, instead, we we panic. We We don't play patient soccer is what it is. We play panic soccer 100% of the time to where if we get ourselves in a bind, we have to bail ourselves out and restart. So, all right. So, I think to that point. So, number one, I would I would want to go back and see just how many times we dropped it from the, even the attacking half directly to whoever the keeper is. Now, I we haven't necessarily done that a whole lot with Andrew Thomas. I can't think of it anything specific from the attacking half directly to Thomas. Have we gone back to a defender and then you know with 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 Birmingham? You do see, you know, Preston and Enzo Martinez and guys like that, you know, forcing the press, which if we allow them to do that, does force us into another position where a defender does have to drop again, either, you know, a a lateral pass, you know, to, you know, either Kalen or Will or whoever's back there, or, you know, that, that, that atypical one to Thomas. Now, the thing with Thomas is that Thomas has the ability to boot the ball and his, his distribution has been very, very good. But again, I don't necessarily, I don't think we've necessarily gone directly from our, from the attacking half to Thomas. Um, but I mean, and, and to, but to that, we haven't been fast enough on the ball. We haven't been fast enough for decision-making and you think we play panic. I think it's, we play, 
again, without that urgency, without that aggression, and then until we fall behind, and then it's and then it's an overaggression, not necessarily a panic, but an overaggression. They're trying to overcompensate for for not getting the job done early enough. And so, it, it, even though it's not, even though I wouldn't say I wouldn't classify it as a panic. When you're when you're hurried, when you're trying to overcompensate for that, you still make mistakes. Again, I, I, again, I wouldn't call it a panic, but I do see where you where you where you get that and where people would say that. But I just you know it's see, and then so going back to the dropping the ball, and we're gonna probably stick on this for a couple more minutes, I'm sure. Um, like I said, I understand the whole dropping the ball thing, but when you go from attack to defense in a flip of a switch and you have quick players like Prosper Kasim, Preston Taboritaka. I mean, by the time Kalen gets the ball, he's already freaking out because those guys are already in his face. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it makes no sense that you have that in your arsenal in your, and that's no pun intended, David. So don't get your Cheerios up there. Um, it makes no sense to have that in in your mindset because when you have a faster player, then you can kick the ball or pass the ball. It makes no sense to even try that when you're going to get your keeper, your either your keeper in trouble or your defense in trouble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's incredibly frustrating, and again, we've seen it. Throughout the season with Quill, with Prince, you know, it's the decision making, the, the the pace at which we do things. Again, it's not conservative play. It's not. You know, it's just, you know, it's a it's, again lack of urgency, and that's something that has been desperately missing for them for the for the better part of this of the season. You know, um, I just don't know. And, and that's what makes me worry about these, these final six matches, you know, especially with Indy 11 coming in, you know, Lowry, Mark Lowry, a guy that we are very, very familiar with from his time with, with, um, with El Paso. I mean, again, we know what they're going to play. We know what his roster looks like. We know what they're going to do. And, you know, Lowry had very mixed results against United during his time with El Paso. Um, looking at his, in the 11 team, like it's, you know, they've been very inconsistent, but they have been far better on the road than they have at home. So that kind of worries me with a, with just how we've played over the past several weeks at home, in particular, in particular this last homestand that we had. I mean, you look at the, you look at the roster that they've got I and mean, guys that we are all, we're all familiar with. Uh, Meshach Jerome, Adrian Dispay, you know, Maka, Maka King, um, Cam Lindley, Jack Blake, Aiden Quinn, like <laughs> Rebellion, like this roster top to bottom is designed to win. These guys, you know, Solomon Asante, you know, like Pino, like it's, it's just, uh, I mean, you got over too, there too. Like it's just a stupid good roster. So like their, their inconsistency, inconsistency this season, it's really, really weird. And maybe it's because it's Lowry. Maybe because it's, uh, I just, I just don't know. I haven't watched enough of them to know what exactly their issues are this season. But again, if we're looking at this in the, in the, as the final six, 
this is probably our best chance to pick up points or at least pick up a win in the next three matches. And, you know, obviously, I, you know, I just mentioned, I just rattled off, you know, half a dozen names of guys that we're very, very familiar with, that our team should be very familiar with and how to play against them. And, I mean, maybe coming back to the lab, I, I just don't know. There's no momentum there. Yes, Amanda Moreno will be back on Friday. Yes, Schneider Borgen will be back on Friday. But do either of those matter? Does being back at the lab on Friday matter for this match against Indy 11? For Amando, yes, because Amando has actually made important strides for the club. I mean, he scores goals. I think he's at six or seven now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Amando coming back is very, very important. Schneider, on the other hand, I can, I can care less. He could stay wherever the hell he went for all I care. Because if you watch that match too, I'm almost certain he did absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look back. I'll look and see what he what he did or, uh, on international break. I just I don't know. Um... So yeah, so us getting Amando back is definitely important, especially in this last six stretch, six matches. Hopefully, mm-hmm. this is the only international break that we have to see. Yeah. Um. Because I know what happened last time Amanda went on international break for more than one occasion. It became ugly for us, and he was out for an entire season. For yeah, the majority of the season. This is the only uh, national break that we'll see this season. Or the last national break we'll see this season. So, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, having Amanda back is going to be huge for us because that's a big motivation push for us. Mm-hmm. But getting Schneider back, I mean, it's like taking trash from outside and bringing it inside. <laughs> okay. It's pointless. Wow. Um. Wow. I I don't know how to how to take that one. Um. And I'm not. So hold on, hold on. Let me let me clear the air there. I am in no way calling Schneider trash. Okay. I'm just saying it's pointless or it makes no sense to have him back because he is not contributing one bit. Mm-hmm. It's so another a better reference I guess would be is like having a brother come live with you who's not paying rent. Okay. But he's eating your food. That's a better reference. Okay. Um, uh, so let's see. Uh, Schneider Borgelin came on in the 75th minute of the match of Haiti, the match against Cuba on the 8th. Um, 75th, no goals. Uh, that, that match ended in a, zero, in a nil-nil draw. Haiti also played uh, today. Let me double check that. Yeah, today. Um, 2-2 draw with Jamaica Borgelin subbed on in the 69th minute for brace score Don Deedson Don Deedson and 2-2 uh, draw for Haiti and Jamaica so 
And he really didn't contribute in either of the international matches, but he did get some get some time. So uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I, I I just don't know. Like I, I look at him, I see potential. I see the things that he has been doing. I don't think he's as I don't personally. I don't think he's near as bad as what other people think, uh, particularly within the Mexican United Nation. Um, but then again, I also look at things differently than than a lot of people do. You know, I tend to be far more. Uh, I tend to look more at the tactical side of things and not just the the stat line. So there are ways to impact the match, you know, other than being on this on on the score sheet. So, uh, but yeah, even the at- tactical side, I mean. He's obviously not drawing defenders to give someone get someone open. I refer you back to the Tulsa match three weeks ago. Yeah, what has he done <laughs> since then? I, I, I what is what has he done since Tulsa? I mean, again, you look at you know his hold up play has been pretty good. He does picked up a yellow card. He did pick done. up a yellow card. Yeah, you know it's it, it's hard. Again, we we've talked about with every striker we've had for the past two seasons. It's this you know lack of service, lack of opportunity, and so you know when you when you have guys who are who aren't getting the opportunities to short to shoot, who aren't getting aren't seeing the chance creation around them, who aren't seeing the creativity, you know, I mean, there's only so much they can do by themselves. None of these guys I, are, are messy do I or need to you, Do I need to remind you of Oakland when he had a chance and he half-assed? Oh, I, I know. I'm very well aware of that. You so know? if I'm if I'm anyone on United right now servicing a ball to the attacking part of the field or attacking players on the team, mm-hmm. I'm avoiding Schneider after the shit he pulled in with Oakland. I'm not even looking his way because of that. Because if he's going to think he's offside and not even try, even though he didn't hear a whistle, he didn't see nothing going on, but yet he still half-assed it. No, I'm not looking his way. I'm sorry, but I'm not. I I get it. I just think that's the absolute wrong mentality. Because like, And if I'm the have... head coach, if I'm Eric Quill, Schneider's not looking at looking at the pitch until the 75th minute anyways, 60th minute, 65th minute. That's just, that's just how I see it. If you're going to not put your entire heart out there, after that's what I'm preaching. We're going to go play entertaining football, entertaining soccer. But yeah, I'm going to put Schneider board again out there. Who's going to half-ass pooch something and just play patty cake with the, with the keeper. No, you're, you're asking to sit down and wait till 75th minute to go on. All right, well, there you have it, folks. There is uh, Earl's application to become the next head coach of the Mexico United. Uh, there's his strategy for using uh, Schneider Borgelin. Um, Earl, how would you like to use uh, you know, uh, Sam Hamilton going forward? How about we just use this moment to take my prediction? <laughs> Let's do that. Indy 11 at the lab Friday night. Obviously, Indy is a... Uh, is a supremely talented side just looking at their roster. Uh, very inconsistent in their form. Better on the road, like we mentioned, than at home. Fighting for their playoff lives as well as the Mexico United. Earl, what's your take on Friday night? 3-1. Us. Okay. All right. 
bold prediction there. 3-1 United at home over Indy 11. Um, Earl, who gets your goals? Mondo with a brace, and I think Santi gets one. That's a shout-out for Maya. Okay. Um, I, yeah, Santi. Santi's been, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he finally, I think he finally picks it up and gets something in. Um, that's Maya's favorite, so I'd be doing her disservice by by fucking the duck and not picking up the not getting Santiago. Yeah, it sure would be nice to see Santi get one. It'd be nice to see a lot of guys get a goal on Friday night. Um. Yeah, you know, again, Indy Eleven. I just don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of them. I'll, pro- I'll probably watch a couple of matches uh, between here and Thursday. Get a better idea of why they've been inconsistent throughout the year, um, especially with the amount of talent that they have. I really want to see what's going on. But again, we're f- we're familiar enough with a lot of these guys. We should know their tendencies, particular uh, the flopper himself, Solomon Asante. Um, should be more than capable of handling him on Friday evening. But I just don't know. I, I don't know. Final six matches of the year. Uh, let me double. I just want to make sure I have my information correct here real quick. First of three matches at home between here and the end of the year. Honestly, again, this is probably our best shot at picking up three points in the next week and a half. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 us. And it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's not. Um, I think we have to grind this one out. You know, I I think it comes, comes down to it late, but I, I, I think I think this is our chance right here. Pick up three points here. Build even just a tiny bit of momentum going to second. So who who scores your goals? I'm going to say... I, I, would, I would say Bees, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to be... I'm, pretty sure, I'm about 90% sure, based off of what I know that bees will not play on Friday. Um, but I would love to see him come back and get one. Um, I'm going to say Borgeland and Hurst both get one. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> consider this Seth admitting that he snorts cocaine. <laughs> I don't know if I would go to say that far. Maybe some psychedelics, but you know. he literally picked two. He didn't just go one. He went with two of the most unproductive United players in the attacking half. You got to give guys a shot at some point. You got to throw a little bit of confidence out there. I'm I'm putting it into the universe. I'm putting it out there that those two guys are going to get off the mark on Saturday and uh, and pick up the goals for us. 
What fucking universe are you living in? <laughs> I, I'm living oh, in I the one. I know what universe you're living in. You're living in the same universe that fucking Romario Williams moonshotted every shot last season. <laughs> yeah, they went through a wormhole somewhere. Is that it? But, yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I'm putting it out there. You know, I, I, there's still time. There's still time for them to do something. There's still time for a number of guys to do something this season. But, you know, we've got to start somewhere. We've got to get some points. We've got to get some confidence building. Um, I would like to, uh, again, even if we make the playoffs, I don't think we make a run unless we somehow just want to, you know, a, a torrid run here to close the season. I just don't see it happening. But So, wait, you, you, want, us to, you want us to get momentum. And the ones that are gonna spark it is Schneider board board again. Look, if you can get the production out of two guys who haven't been producing and Greg hurts for any kind of minutes on the pitch. Yeah. Cause you, you get, think about it this way. If you get if you can get goals from two of the guys who have struggled since they came to the club to make an impact, if you can get them to have a showing where they where they get off the mark, where they get their, you know, they get some goals, get some confidence, and get some get some momentum going, that could trickle down. Because then you have, if you have, if you come into, say Sacramento, and you and you're coming off a match where both of your forwards score, I think it makes it that much harder for Sacramento to game plan for that match. So, I'm just putting it out there. I. It's a little bit hopeful, yes. But, uh, I mean, the, the big thing is I think we do pick up the win against Indy uh, ahead of the, the two-match road trip next week. So you, you tried to make it make sense, but you didn't. Okay. <laughs> uh, you are certainly welcome to that opinion. Um, Earl, before we get out of here, um, I do want to get your take on one thing, and that is Nia Jax returning to Raw. Is it worth it, or is she going to hurt somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> um, the last time I saw Nia Jax, she was screaming, Oh, my hole. Okay, I don't see her doing much when she comes back. If when I don't see her doing much, now she's back. Okay, you think she gets a shot at Rhea now that she's interfered in the championship match? No, no, no. no. So what was that about then? That was her trying to make a statement. So yeah, she'll mm -hmm. have her. She'll have a championship match, mm -hmm. but they're not taking that title off Rhea anytime soon. Okay, I was just curious. I, I know that. That uh, the clip of her, you know, re-emerging on Raw made the rounds on social media. So I was curious about your take on that. I'm pretty sure the next women's champion on Raw will be Sasha Banks. Okay. I think she makes her return. I think we see the return of Randy Orton sometime soon. I think we see the return of CM Punk sometime soon. Really? 
Yeah. I was not on the CM Punk train recently because I was not aware that the merger between WWE and Endeavor was happening so soon, which happened today. Um, and with that, and CM Punk being a former UFC fighter, um, I think he picks up a WWE contract to go have some fun. Interesting. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. You've got our predictions for this weekend. Earl going 3-1 United over Indy. I'm going 2-1. No, you're uh, going fucking crazy with your picks. <laughs> maybe. Horseshit. Just maybe. Uh, but we are both predicting a win over Indy 11 this weekend to give United a So, small... hold on, hold on. Before you close out. Okay. We talked about panic goals and panic plays. Mm-hmm. You just made a panic pick. Nope, not a panic pick. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> I I want it to, but it doesn't. It's all about the confidence building. If you can get those again, if you can get those two guys, well, then have confidence in fucking Santi Moar or Daniel Bruce, someone that can actually. I already, I already have, I already have confidence in Brucey. Okay, I have well, no they, they right, right, on the right now. Scoring goals. Right now, I have about as much fit as about as much confidence in Santi as I do Hurst and Borgelin. And right now, I have as much faith. <laughs> oh my! Uh, I fucking love you. Just so you know, um, I have as much faith in Borgelin making an impact as Maya going to bed on time. <laughs> uh, that's where you know you, you you become a parent, Earl. Oh yeah, trust me, I know. Yeah. So, um, but you can't force it to fucking happen with the grown ass adults. <laughs> with the six year old, you can, but a fucking grown ass adult, you're not going to make it happen. No, I, again, that's why I think if if they can get goals on Saturday, I think that it helps your confidence, and I think it you know gives Sacramento more than one thing to think about. Because instead of keying on whoever that whoever that nine is on Saturday or on Wednesday, I should say, you know, you open up the possibility that you know Sacramento then has to game plan for multiple, you know, multiple guys. So, because right now, because right now, if you look at it, they don't know they don't have to game plan for Borchland. They don't have to game plan for for Hurst. They're game playing for Amando Moreno. But if you as they should. And, I, I, I agree, but if you get <clears throat> you get Hurst and Borges on the score, that gives Sacramento more things to worry about, which then opens up other opportunities for you know for Moreno, for Brucey, for Moar, for you know potentially for Borgeland and Hurst, you know if they can get off get off the mark. So, if you say so, I mean yeah. it makes zero fucking sense in my mind. Um... I don't think it's going to make any sense in my mind for a while now because we've seen what they've fucking done. And, I mean, Hursty all fucking season has two se- two goals. Mm-hmm. And that happened in El Paso. July 4th or July 3rd, whatever fucking day it was. Maybe it was May. Either which way. He hasn't scored a goal in fucking three months, four months. Then you yep. have Schneider board again, 
who is probably still sleeping over there because he fucking thought he was offside. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend. We'll see if United can get a win. We'll see if they build some confidence going forward. But, uh, yeah, we're both picking United over Indy on Friday this week. Um, so, for Earl, for Jacob, for myself, we appreciate each and every one of you who's watching or listening to the podcast on podcast feeds later in the week. Um, we pre- again, we do appreciate uh, everyone stopping in, liking, following, doing all that fun stuff. So, uh, for all of us, until next time, somos sonidos.